Good morning, Midtown. Uh, it's a joy, even virtually, to gather with you to worship this morning. This morning, one of the things that you'll hear throughout the service is the joy of the salvation that Jesus came to purchase and bring to his people. And no matter where you may find yourself this morning, uh, full of doubt, full of apathy, full of shame, full of confusion, full of fear, the Lord is the one who moves after his people, coming to rescue them with his salvation. And so hear this call to worship from David in Psalm 103. This is David beckoning us to sing out, to cry out, to praise out because of what the Lord has done for us and the mercy he's shown us. This, this call to worship comes from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. My soul, bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Let's worship the Lord together this morning. Midtown, let's sing together as we celebrate the goodness of our Lord towards us, that he died on a cross for us, and that salvation has come to us. Paid in full. 
by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the Son sets free, who is free indeed. Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no thank you. You are a man familiar with our sufferings, familiar with our struggles. Lord, that you come and find us, that you do not leave us alone, that you pursue us, that you draw us into yourself, draw us into your home, draw us into your kingdom with you. So Lord, would you come, draw us even through your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everybody, good morning. Uh, I'm Dave Burden. I'm the uh, pastor at the Creve Hall uh, congregation uh, and have the joy of opening up the word uh, with y'all this morning. Um, We are in Luke chapter 19. Uh, And if you remember in this Luke series, um, pretty much all throughout Luke, uh, this question keeps coming up, who is this Jesus? Uh, Who is this Jesus who does the things that he does? He's, He's healing people. He's performing all these miracles. Who is this Jesus uh, who makes the claims that he makes, uh, claims to be uh, the Son of God? And who is this Jesus in particular who associates with the people who he associates with, um, with sinners and with the lost? And this is one of the great stories of Jesus associating with somebody uh, that nobody thought Jesus would associate with, uh, the story of Zacchaeus and his encounter with Jesus. So, 
Let's go to Luke 19. Uh, this is verse 1 uh, through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead of him and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because the son because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what is lost. The word of the Lord. So uh, what's the main point uh, of, this, of this story? Uh, this may be a story that is really familiar to you uh, as a short person uh, who didn't break five feet until I was in high school. Uh, this was a very familiar story to me, and it seemed like the whole point of the story growing up was is that Zacchaeus was short and that God loves little people, uh, which I'm sure that he does, but that is not what this story is about. Uh, this story is about a guy uh, who in many ways uh, was a complete loner and all alone uh, because of his occupation, and it's a story of salvation coming to him. That's the main point of this story. It says there in verse 9, that salvation today has come to this house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save what was lost. And it's a story of salvation coming to him and his story of responding to Jesus, seeing him and singling him out and choosing him. It's really a picture of what we talk about a lot here at Midtown, which is that the gospel transforms our lives. That Jesus often meets us and sees us where we're at, but he never leaves us there. And he draws us into this grand adventure where we, we go from being people who are on the sideline, just kind of viewing Jesus and what he's doing, to actually people who are in the game. That we don't just watch him, but we begin to have our lives transformed to the degree that we begin to live and proclaim something very different. I think you could argue that the entire gospel is in this one little story right here. So let's look at the story. So who is this guy? This guy is Zacchaeus. Yes, uh, he is short. Uh, that is a detail in the story. And uh, I, I even remember as a short guy, I think I remember people <laughs> when I was insecure at, at a young age about being small, literally comforting me with this story, uh, saying like, well, you know, remember Zacchaeus, Dave. Uh, I don't think that that is what this story is about at all. Uh, yes, he was short. Uh, and it says there that he was small in stature. Uh, but he was small in a different way and, and in a much worse way, which was this, he was small in character. He was small and he was rotten. Uh, and how we know that is, is that the story tells us that he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. And what was a chief tax collector? Uh, taxes were collected by Rome at this time in, in three central places, in Jerusalem, in Jericho, in, in Capernaum. And as a chief tax collector over Jericho, um, 
he was basically like the Pablo Escobar of, of, of tax collection. He had all his little tax collecting minions underneath him in Jericho. And the way tax collection worked in that time was Rome required a certain amount of money to be brought in by everybody. But these tax collectors, they were allowed to go out and basically collect anything above and beyond that they wanted to. And they had Rome's muscle to do so in order to build their own estates. And so in many ways, Zacchaeus was like a protected thief. He was able to go to his own people, the Jews, take what Rome needed, and then take everything else that he wanted for himself above and beyond and get his cut, which means uh, he would have been a guy who was despised by his people. Uh, people would have had great contempt for him. He would have been alone and would have had really no friends. Um, even at the end there where he says, if I have cheated anybody anything, I will pay it back. That's not, um, that's not a question to Jesus. That's a confession to Jesus. That's an admission of guilt. Zacchaeus knew uh, he was doing wrong things. So Jesus is rolling through Jericho where Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. And Jesus has got a head of steam. He's on his way uh, to Jerusalem right now. And uh, there's a lot of buzz. And so Zacchaeus really uh, wants to see Jesus. Uh, he's desperate to see Jesus. Jesus, who's uh, healed a ton of people. Um, he's challenging the religious leaders of the day. Uh, he's even uh, befriended a tax collector, Levi, who we know as Matthew, who went from being a tax collector to being a disciple. So who knows what all the motivations are, uh, but we, we see it play out here in what Zacchaeus does. Uh, I'm too short. Uh, to get a glimpse of him. And so I'm going to run on ahead. I'm going to climb a tree and I, I'm going to, I'm going to see him. And what happens is, is really um, profound because uh, he was wanting to see Jesus, but he wasn't expecting necessarily to be seen by Jesus. But remember, we said this at the very beginning, this is a story about salvation coming to his house. Uh, it's about Jesus pursuit of him. And so how do we begin to see this in Zacchaeus climbing a tree? How is salvation at work in coming to him? How do we know that? How do we know that God's grace is at work already in this guy's life? Well, it, it may sound really, um, really simple, uh, but the first thing is, is that when salvation is at work in the life of an individual, uh, even at the very, very beginning, kind of the rumblings of it, uh, you start, you start to see that people's values begin to get reordered. And that's what we see for Zacchaeus, is, is that Zacchaeus does something that's really out of the ordinary, and that is, is that he takes a risk. Uh, he risks doing something that only children of that day would have done, which would have been uh, to climb a tree, which for a man of his position, uh, of his power, uh, you know, kind of being the, the scoundrel that he was, this would have been a very undignifying thing for him to do. Uh, to risk embarrassment, to risk being exposed. Yet, if we remember uh, in one of the other Gospels in Matthew, Jesus says, unless you come to me like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. So when we see Zacchaeus doing this childlike thing, it, it should kind of whisper to us, oh my goodness, some, something's going on here. Because uh, he's taking this risk. He's, he's not being self-conscious right now. Uh, he's, he's shamelessly, probably in desperation and in hope, He's committed. I've, I've got to get a glimpse of this Jesus. And he's doing something that it's basically saying this. My, my view of myself is, is not my highest value right now. 
and, and we even see this, that the crowd, because, uh, you know, when Jesus embraces Zacchaeus here and he goes to his house to say, the crowd, uh, they mutter, you know, they, they mutter about this and they say he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Uh, you, you see Zacchaeus kind of being self-forgetful about himself, uh, but you also see him being forgetful about the crowd because the crowd obviously has an opinion of him and they have a good reason to have that opinion of him. Uh, he's a cheat. He's a thief. He's an extortionist. And so uh, he's, he's not only getting over his own view of himself, he's getting over the view of the crowd. And he's saying that your view of me and my view of me, that isn't what matters right now. Um, and, and something's going on here, and it's this, that Jesus' view of him uh, and him seeing Jesus was the priority. What's the Lord's view of me? And what we discover as salvation is coming to this home is really the essence of what it means to be saved. Because what did Zacchaeus find? Zacchaeus found that in even all of his care and plotting and tree climbing to see Jesus, and all of his care to see Jesus, it was outmatched by Jesus' care to see him. He was seen by Jesus. He was chosen by Jesus. And he was seen by Jesus with all of his crud, with all of his bad record, with all of his theft, with all of his hypocrisy, with all of his greed. And Jesus stops and he looks up at him and he says his name. He says, Zacchaeus come down. Now, how do we, how do we know, how did he know his name? Well, I like to think that it's because Zacchaeus had his name tag on. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, like Zacchaeus, chief tax collector. Um, no, who knows? Jesus did a lot of things at this point. So I think knowing Zacchaeus's name wouldn't have been a big deal uh, for the son of God. But he says his name and he says, come down. He says, come on down. I must stay with you. The language there literally says, I have to stay with you. It's, it's necessary that I stay with you. And what it means to stay with somebody, this would have not been just kind of a, let me pop over for a cup of tea or, or a biscuit. This would have been an overnight meal uh, and an overnight stay. This would have been a prolonged time in this man's home, which would have been a deeply personal thing to do. It would have been a sign of love, of friendship, of, of acceptance. Um, of I, I'm associating with you. And it's really, it, it, it's the power, it's, it's how we know uh, that, that this is the very essence of salvation, the very essence of the gospel. Because, you know, what religion says is this, it, it says, be good and get everything in order and do all the right things. And it's because of your goodness that I choose to associate with you. That's what religion says. But what the gospel says is, is that I choose to associate with you because of my goodness, not because of yours. And Jesus, who knows Zacchaeus' name, fully knows, fully sees him, and fully loves him, which is, I know for me, one of the greatest fears of my life was as if you fully see me, if you see me in all of my crud and in all of the ways that I've fallen short, if you really see me, you won't stay with me, you'll leave me. But that's not what Zacchaeus found, is it? Zacchaeus discovered that in his looking for Jesus, the, the biggest point of the story is, is that Jesus was looking for him. His focus was on me. And why? There's something, it, it's subtle in here. Jesus says it at the very end. He says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
Why Jesus says, I, I must come to your house. I must stay with you. This is because Jesus, he's fulfilling his divine mission to seek and save the lost. And when he says, you are a son of Abraham, for every Jew in that day, that would have pinged off of their mind and realized, whoa, what? This guy? This swindling, extortionist, uh, dirtbag tax collector, he's a son of Abraham? He's a son uh, who belongs in the promises of God? Because when son of Abraham is spoke, that would have been referring way back to the early part of Genesis where God made his covenant with Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I, I chose you. I didn't choose you because of anything you did, but I've chosen you to be the father of many nations. And, and blessing is going to flow through you and your line and your, your offspring are going to be my people. And it said that Abraham believed him. And it, you know, it was credited to him as righteousness because he believed him. And the very same thing is happening here for Zacchaeus. He's a son of Abraham. He's saying, Zacchaeus, I choose you. I've sought you out. This is, this is the order of how it works when we're saved. I'm coming to you, to your home. I've chosen you. I've set my affection on you. And then we see what Zacchaeus does, which is what? He repents and he changes, not vice versa. Salvation has come to this house because the Lord was looking for Zacchaeus. The last thing that we see in this passage, you know, we see, we see salvation kind of rumblings when he climbs a tree, and then we see salvation, the essence of it, when he, when he chooses Zacchaeus. And the last thing we see in here um, is what I'd like to call the grace effect. <laughs> it's the response to salvation, um, because Zacchaeus was lost, and then he was found, and then he was freed. And he was set free to not be thinking about himself anymore. Uh, he was set free now because he knew he was chosen by the Lord that all I'm thinking about now is all the other people that I've wronged. I'm not, I'm not thinking about how to make things work to my own advantage anymore. I'm thinking about how I can serve and meet the needs of other people because I, I've experienced the grace of God. I've experienced that saving grace and that love. You know, uh, isn't it true that even the possibility of saving love makes you go to extremes? Like when I was in junior high, there was a girl that I thought might have eyes for me. Like I really thought she, she liked me, um, but she was dating somebody else and that guy was much taller because I've already said I was short and he was much fitter than I was. I wore husky jeans. And I believed that if I ran and lost some weight and got in shape, that this girl would actually um, choose me. And, and, and as immature as it sounds, but it's really true, don't we believe that? Like, if, if this person loved me, that would save me, right? I mean, we even have songs about this. And so when you believe that, that you might have a saving love, you go to extremes. And the extremes that I went to was I was going to run four miles every single day for over a year until I lost this weight, even in the dead winter of Indiana. Um, it was like 10 degrees out, and I would go run this four-mile loop that ran past her house, you know, just like Zacchaeus. I, I kind of wanted to get a glimpse. Ran past her house, and it was so cold one day in Indiana, I literally um, I had this snowmobile suit. It was like a big, puffy suit that zips up. It's a full-body suit and moon boots. I don't even know if moon boots are probably in again. Uh, but I put on my moon boots, and my mom was so worried about me uh, that she decided, I'm going to drive behind you 
at like one mile an hour, because that's how fast you can run in moon boots in a snowsuit, with the hazards on, as we drove down the main street of my hometown, hoping that this girl would get a glimpse of me and her love would save me. So imagine little, little Husky Dave running down, down the main street like with my mom in flashers and traffic backed up behind her. Why did I do it? Saving love, right? I believed that even, even if it was possible that she might love me, I'm willing to go to this extreme. And that's what we see Zacchaeus do here, right? He goes to an extreme. Not because of the possibility of saving love, but because he got it. He got chosen by Jesus. And what does he do? He makes a promise right there on the spot. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repay four times what was stolen which was taking the, the view of the law to the most strict amount. I'm going to pay four times what I stole, and then I'm going to give away half of my possessions. Which, in that day and age, if you gave away 20% of your possessions, you were considered ridiculously generous. So to give away 50% of his possessions was literally saying, I'm going to put my entire estate in jeopardy because of what has happened in this moment in Jesus choosing me. And what we see, and this is what happens when salvation comes to a house, is that salvation just doesn't come to this house. It comes through it. It comes to Zacchaeus, but it goes out and through Zacchaeus. Like in Proverbs where it says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. There were tons of people rejoicing this day because Zacchaeus not only came to faith, but because he became a generous man, a repentant man, a man who actually looked like Jesus, sacrificial and laying down his life for the people around him. It's a powerful story. Uh, we have all of the gospel right here, y'all. Zacchaeus, uh, you know, I said earlier that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Zacchaeus went up a tree uh, to get a glimpse of Jesus. Um, just a few chapters later uh, in the book of Luke, Jesus would willingly also go up a tree. And he would willingly lose all of his dignity and in self-emptying love uh, and in humility, he died for us. And he did that so that Zacchaeus and we uh, could not just share um, some overnight accommodation and a friendly meal together, um, but so that we could have eternity and an eternal feast uh, with our Lord and our King. Uh, Jesus became a child. He took on flesh and he emptied himself uh, because he loved us. And it's a real powerful question that we need to stop and we need to ask this morning, and that's this. Do you see it? Do you see his love for you? Do you see him stopping and he's looking at you and he's saying, I chose you? Because Zacchaeus' story, it's not, it's not any different than our story. We're all small. I'm physically small, but I'm also small in character. Romans says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all used our position for our own advantage. We've all loved our neighbor less than we've loved ourselves because me loves me some me, right? Jesus came for that guy, for Dave Burden, for Zacchaeus, and for you. And he chose us, and he said, I made my home with you, and I've brought you into the family. And to the degree that that truth sets in and that grace sets in, 
that Jesus has come and made you his home, that you are the apple of his eye, that you have his affection, that you have his gaze, you have his face. The more that that sets in, the more that you experience his love, we become like him. We become those who don't just give what is required of us. We become those who give lavishly beyond that because that's the heart of the Jesus who found us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you uh, that when we were small in stature (laughs) and small in character and full of sin um, and full of greed (laughs) and full of self-centeredness, Lord, um, that you looked at all of that and you said, I see it all and I love you. And I've called you by name and I've made you mine. Lord, thank you uh, for this, this powerful pregnant story of you coming off after a very, very lost son and bringing him into the family. And I pray, Lord, um, that this wouldn't be some cute anecdotal story that we sing a song about with children, but this would be the very power of the gospel for our lives, that we would realize that we were just as lost as Zacchaeus was. Uh, we were just as alone and just as isolated. Uh, and that if we are in you, that, that nothing short of a miracle happened because you stopped and you looked up and you, and you saw us. And you chose us and you set your affection on us. And Lord, I pray, um, I pray that we wouldn't just be people in the parade, uh, people who just go to church, who just, who just kind of look at Jesus and say, oh, isn't that cool, Jesus? But people who are profoundly affected uh, by the riches of your love and of your sacrifice uh, and, and of, of what you did for us when he died and rose again. Uh, May that transform our lives. May may we be the people uh, who, with lavish generosity, um, display and show forth uh, the love that has been shown to us. We ask all this in your Holy Son's name. Amen. Friends, as we are meditating on the words that Dave spoke to us, and as you are receiving the words that the Lord is speaking to you, Sing this song as a song of praise, a song of declaration to, um, to turn your heart and your eyes and your mind uh, to the reality that God is pursuing you and he's made it known to you that he is pursuing you. Let's sing that together.
Let's read this confession together. So we make this our prayer. O oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. This I am by nature and practice. This your word proclaims me to be. This I hope I feel myself to be. Yet you have not left me to despair. For there is no maybe in your grace. I have all the assurance I need that with you is abundant redemption. In spite of the number and hideousness of my sins, you have given me a token for good. The golden scepter is held out, and you have said, touch it and live. May I encourage myself by a sense of your all-sufficiency, by faith in your promises, by considering the experience of others, to that dear refuge which so many have sheltered from every storm, may I return and that fountain always freely open for sin may I be cleansed from every defilement. Sin is that abominable thing which your soul hates, and this alone separates you and me. You cannot contradict the essential perfections of your nature. You cannot make me happy with yourself until you have made me holy like yourself. O holy God, make me such a creature as you can take pleasure in, and such a being that I can take pleasure in you. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my Say, 
you go throughout the week this week, take with you what Dave was preaching about from the story of Zacchaeus, that we have a God who is for us, a Jesus who came for you because he loves you. Receive this benediction out of Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As you carry that gospel of grace with you this week, would you go out and walk in the good works that God has prepared for you?